I'm Damian Bolwa, Director of News at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, California's population is lagging, and now there's a big consequence. The state, for the first time ever, will lose an elected representative in Congress. That's according to numbers released by the U.S. Census Bureau on Monday. What does it mean? Well, slightly less power relative to states like Texas, which will add two seats because it's growing, and it will also shape a redistricting fight in the months ahead. My guest to talk about all of it is Tal Copen, the Chronicle's Washington correspondent. Tal, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming on, Tal. Let's get right to it. What is happening with these census numbers? We've been waiting for them. What does it mean? Uh, how did they come to this? Right. So very sort of basic uh, Schoolhouse Rock civil- civics lesson. There are 435 seats in Congress. They're broken down across the country by population. And every 10 years when we do the census, uh, they look at which states are growing, which states are shrinking or not growing as fast. And they basically make sure that those 435 seats are still allocated to reflect the population. So the goal is to make sure that every member of Congress, uh, excuse me, every member of the House, not including the Senate, every member of the House represents about the same number of people. That's the sort of top level of what's happening here. And so they just um, crunched the numbers for the 2020 census that was recently completed and released them and found that while California still grew, it grew less than the nation as a whole and grew less relative to several states that exceeded the rate of growth in the nation as a whole. So seats get shifted. And California will lose a seat, and some states that that were growing much faster will gain more. Texas has the biggest gain with two seats, uh, but some other states that will also pick up a seat include Colorado, Florida, Montana, North Carolina, and Oregon. All right, so 53 seats going to 52 in California, correct? I mean, yes. it seems like a small number, but it's never happened before. What does it mean? Right. And, you know, this is this is a little bit of a trend. California was growing, 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 growing. And then the last census, it was flat and we didn't lose or gain any seats. And now they've lost one. And and yes, it, it can seem like a drop in the bucket. And it, it probably is. But for <laughs> for one member of the California congressional delegation, this is going to be a very big deal. I mean, it it really is going to be a little bit of a game of musical chairs uh, where now we will have to wait a few more months until we get the data at the district level where we can see which parts of the state are growing and shrinking. Uh, The expectation is that the population lags are mostly, mostly in Los Angeles County, that the Bay Area is relatively stable or growing, and our congressional delegation isn't likely to change. The lost seat will likely come from Los Angeles County. It, that's what the sort of uh, academics and analysts out there predict. But this is now going to kick off a process where through redistricting, congressional districts will be redrawn to make sure that they're still, you know, accurately affecting the population. And likely there are going to be two current members of Congress that will find themselves sort of competing for one district uh, in the next election cycle. Before we get on to how that works, Tal, I mean, it does play into this idea of what's happening with California and Texas. Obviously, Texas trying to draw a lot of residents, trying to draw a lot of businesses. They've picked up two seats. Yeah. And, you know, 
it, what's interesting about this this data is that it's not that California shrunk. I mean, California still their population the population still grew six percent. Now we don't have in I don't have in front of me the data. You know how many of that was births, uh, how much of that was immigration from you know outside the U.S., how much of that was people moving away from California to other states. I know we at the Chronicle have covered this a great deal and have found that overall this notion that people are leaving California in droves is really overblown. There's a lot of migration within the state um, away from higher-priced areas to less lower-priced areas, but it's not like everyone's packing up a moving truck and moving to Texas like you hear Republicans say on the national stage. So, you know, what, and that's actually true. A lot of the states that lost seats did see their population grow. It was just growing slower than the national average. And we have seen, you know, the Rust Belt states, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, uh, New York, Michigan, Ohio, Illinois, were the ones that lost seats. And, you know, Texas, Florida in the South picked up some seats, Colorado and Oregon in the West. Um, Montana's very interesting, uh, picked up a seat, and North Carolina. So, you know, and and w- another interesting thing is a lot of a lot of people found this to be much smaller shifts than they expected. This is the smallest shift actually in census history. Only um, seven seats shifted among thirteen states, uh, and you know people were expecting Texas to pick up three. They were expecting Ar- Arizona to pick up one. Some thought California could lose two. You know, the difference between Minnesota kept its seat. New York lost its seat. The difference there was 89 people. If New York had counted 89 more people, New York would have kept its seat and Minnesota would have lost one. So, you know, these these aren't as dramatic shifts as as some may have predicted early on. All right. Is it possible at this stage to talk about partisanship? Is this, you know, is this going to help? It's always possible. Is it going to help Democrats, Republicans, uh, you know, or is it is it difficult? It's it's a little bit hard to say at this point. You know, let's start with in California. In California, the redistricting process is a citizen commission that's done by a nonpartisan board that's um, already seated, made up of five Democrats, five Republicans, and four party unaffiliated. Um, citizens, and they will be the ones redrawing the districts. There are various factors that they will, you know, take into play, including the current districts where population has grown and shrunk. You know, historically, this country has valued things like drawing districts to ensure that minorities get representation in Congress. There are there are lots of factors, you know, what's to say that you know, my neighbor to my left and I are in the same community, but my neighbor to my right and I are in a different community. I mean, where do you draw that line? So there are lots of things that will go into this. But in California, obviously, you know, you've got 53 current members in the House. Only 10 of them are Republicans. So there isn't a huge partisanship gambit uh, here. Now, many of the states that are picking up seats, um, including Texas, are controlled by Republicans, and the redistricting process itself will be in partisan control. So they are likely to try to draw districts, you, one would assume, to um, continue to improve Republican standings. And there are many who fear that this redistricting cycle nationally, even in states that have no change overall, could be devastating for Democrats because Republicans control so many more legislatures. You know, at the same time, the other thing that this data is showing is that people are moving within the country. 
And what's to say, what's to say, you know, if a bunch of people move from New York to Florida, I mean, what does that do to the population? There are factors beyond, you know, gerrymanders control. And if the growth is in the suburb of Houston, I mean, what does that look like? How do you draw a seat to maintain? So there's still a lot to be seen. And that's, you know, I remember covering um, the 2010 redistricting process when I, I worked for an outlet in Chicago. And I, I, you know, I would post every every story I could find on it, and and no one would read it. And it's sort of amazing. I mean, this is this is a process that has so many ramifications for Americans' lives for the next ten years, and people don't necessarily tune in. So uh, we'll see if this if this go around, people are going to pay a little more attention to what their state officials are doing um, with the redistricting process. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back on Fifth and Mission. I want to talk about the process for, for California giving back this seat in Congress. Uh, fifth and mission right after this. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. A quick question here for listeners. Do you want to be a part of history or at least an experiment in funding local journalism? Well, today the Chronicle is launching its first non-fungible tokens or NFTs. They're digital items that can be bought, sold, and traded like a Van Gogh painting or a Willie Mays baseball card. Our first NFT here at the Chronicle is a GIF of images from the Best Bay Area Views Guide, our popular look at the best viewpoints in the Bay Area by Peter Hartlock. If someone buys it, they get to remove the paywall on the story. That makes it free for everyone forever. If we exceed the reserve price on the NFT, then the proceeds will be donated to our flagship charity, Season of Sharing. You can read more about the Chronicle's foray into NFTs at sfchronicle.com, and you can bid at openc.io slash accounts slash sfchronicle. Now back to my conversation with Chronicle Washington correspondent Tal Copen. Tal, before we go on to how this works, I want to ask you, you know, there was a lot of stories about Donald Trump when he was president trying to exclude undocumented immigrants, which would have had a big impact on California, which has a fairly sizable undocumented population. What finally happened with that? Well, ultimately, that that didn't happen. You know, it, the, the legal procedures on this are kind of complicated where, you know, it's not that the, the Supreme Court, I don't think it never outright said you can't do that. It said you can't do it the way you did it. And they sort of ran out of time to do it. And there was a settlement. I mean, it was it's it was sort of very the, the bottom line is that they were not able to exclude undocumented immigrants. And, you know, certainly Biden winning the election in November kind of cemented that, that they couldn't do anything with the data after the fact, which some advocates feared they might try to do. Uh you know the the people crunching the numbers were were not under the the you know orders of the Trump administration that said there was a lot of concern about just the fact that this was out there and people heard it would have a chilling effect and you know there's already some speculation Arizona was expected to pick up a seat based on their population growth they didn't actually quite meet the threshold there's a huge hispanic population in Arizona you know 
people are wondering, did they, was there an undercount? Were they not able to count as many people as they actually have in the state because there was fear among the community, especially the undocumented community or even just the immigrant community of someone coming to their door and saying, do you live here and how many people? I mean, there's something scary about that when when there's already an atmosphere of trying to, you know, deport people or uh, exclude. So that just the very fact that that was talked about so much many officials felt was damaging to the count of of immigrant populations nationwide all right let's talk about redistricting and and just for for some of our listeners i want to just ask you about gerrymandering and and how it how it works how do politicians uh try to make sure that there are more districts that go to their party I mean, it's kind of a remarkable process. You can look online and find like the craziest gerrymandering maps. You know, like if you picture, this is not an example of gerrymandering, but if you picture like the state of Idaho where there's like a big chunk of it and then there's like one little weird offshoot that like kind of like that's a a gerrymandered district can look like that. Like you'll have some clear communities that go together and then all of a sudden you'll have like a weird little offshoot that picks up just, you know, a little thin strip of some other community and you're like, what's that doing there? And um, it's designed to keep voting blocks intact and and there's sort of a an interesting science i guess if, to use the word to it where you know if you're trying to maintain control of a state you want to maximize the number of states or of districts so you're going to give your party just a little bit of a margin of victory in all of those districts. Then you want to dilute the power of the other party. So you're going to give that party districts where they have overwhelming support so that like you're concentrating all of your opponent's power in in places and thus giving them fewer votes in the legislature. I mean, it's so really- So that's why they call it packing, right? Are you Pack, pack yes, them all cracking one and packing. District, and then the rest have a margin that is at least slightly comfortable. Right. It's 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 a sort of um, evil genius kind of process. Yeah, and probably computer assisted these days, which makes it even more powerful. So, tall in California though, they've they've come up with a procedure to try to to not have that. Yeah, I mean, there's an California is not the only state, uh, but you know, like. Like many things, California is on the vanguard uh, where a a ballot measure in 2008 put the hands in a nonpartisan commission. Some states do this. Some states have various different iterations of partisan control. But uh, but as I mentioned previously, uh, California has a citizen commission that will take input from the public and then redraw the lines as sort of scientifically as possible. But they will they will take stakeholder input. You know, if if there's a group that comes and says, look, we we are a Hispanic community in Southern California. We have always been a Hispanic community that gets representation in Congress to understand that, you know, you can't redraw our district to suddenly dilute us where now we're sort of separated into two majority white districts. I mean, that's an example of things that aren't necessarily partisanship, but that that matter a lot to voters and to map drawers. So, you know, and the Bay Area will probably have to figure out, you know, what what districts bleed into what rural areas. The Central Valley is going to be a really interesting process of redistricting where you have a Bay Area out migration. What does that look like? What are the, you know, so uh, a lot of this will come to play 
the goal of voters in 2008, we assume, was to take the partisanship out of it. Uh, the, the complicatedness of it will remain. But will it take all the politics out of it? Well, there was a there was a story in 2011 ProPublica did that that alleged, which Democrats have denied, but alleged that Democrats basically recruited people to look like ordinary voters to go before the commission and testify, but they were really testifying on the party line. So, you know, I would never count out politicians at trying to find a way out of a, a way around a system designed to dilute their power. I mean, that's just what they do. So, you know, I I have every expectation that it will be a contentious redistricting process going forward with allegations back and forth of foul play and, you know, uh, We'll see how the citizen commissioners handle all of that. All right. So it sounds like a little more of the same, but hopefully we'll we'll get a fairer process. The 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 last question, Tal, is what does it finally look like to get rid of one seat in California? How does that how does that work in the end? I mean, basically at some point, I mean, a lot of a lot of members will see their districts change uh slightly around the margins. At the end of the day, there will be two members who see their districts change substantially enough that they either have to run against each other or decide not to run. Or, you know, they may decide to move to some other district and run in that district. But, you know, it's going it, to it, – it really is like a game of musical chairs where one by one, 50, 51 lawmakers will find a seat and then there'll be two vying for that last seat uh, and and – It'll go from there. But, um, you know, the maps will just kind of be redrawn to divide the state up into 52 parts instead of 53. All right. And will Caitlyn Jenner also run for that final seat? <laughs> we're, a, we're a long way away from finding finding that out. I mean, we don't even get the district level data until the, the goal is by September 30th. You know, Originally, this was all supposed to be done by August per the state's constitution. The Supreme Court, state Supreme Court extended that to December. This commission is going to be sprinting to the finish line to try to get this done. But uh, yes, to your point, she may. Because <laughs> this is, awesome. we're talking about 2022 here. All right. Well, Tal, thank you so much. It's fascinating stuff. I appreciate your time. Yep. My pleasure. Thanks to my guest today. That's Chronicle Washington correspondent Tal Copen. To Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>